isn't it amazing that most of us have such a great dislike for people who are fakes? I mean, so many times we've, we've, maybe in church, maybe in business, maybe in our homes, we've seen people in school and they say, that person's a fake and we don't like them. And interesting, God asks us to be authentic and lo and behold, that's the best way to live life. I think it's, uh, I think it's also interesting that, that those of us who are followers of Christ, it is a mandate from God that we be authentic, honest, vulnerable. It's always interesting to me that the church many times, not always, but many times, can almost be a, a breeding ground for phony baloney's at times. I mean, you know, just like, yeah, there's a lot of people there that, that are something totally different than what they appear to be on Sunday. And, um, and that's not just true in church, certainly. I mean, we find that in other places. Uh, we find that in clubs many times. Um, we find that in different types of uh, organizations. So it's not, I'm not just picking on the church, but that's where I've spent my life. Uh, and, uh, and I've seen it so many times. We don't measure up to this standard that's being proclaimed about or upon. And, and when we don't measure up, we start saying, well, if I will talk in this manner and do this particular thing and, and, and maybe, even, maybe even try to eliminate a few hells and dams from my vocabulary and maybe a few other things, uh, and, and, and maybe if I you know, were to look a certain way and to do that, maybe then I'll be a little more accepted by those people that I want to be accepted with. But it's all external. And the, the authenticity is gone. And sometimes it seems as though, don't take this literally, but sometimes it seems as though you would almost, I'll speak for myself on this, but sometimes it seems as though I would almost rather have and be with the guy who's got all kinds of problems and he's just sort of a, a drunken, rough-talking, dirtball kind of guy, but he's honest about who he is than those people who are just always faking it and they're really nice to be with and they're always socially acceptable but, but never let the guard down. You know, and, and obviously there needs to be some kind of a medium here. Uh, some, something where we can meet in the middle. I don't want to talk about that. So many times, there have been times, and, and, and as I've been doing this for a few years, and I've been in, in ministry in, in a church for over 25 years, and, and there are times when you see people, and you know, you just know, that's not who they really are. Just the way they talk, the way they, you know that, that there's a whole lot more going on here. I mean, last, last year, last summer, we went to, um, we were seeing our, our kids, our son and, and daughter-in-law and two grandkids, and they live in Birmingham, Alabama, and we were down there, and uh, they went to some friends of theirs on the, to have a lake house. And I was being what I always do when I'm in Alabama. I usually wear my Yankee shirts because it's obnoxious. And it's just fun. And it's just, you know, people look at you, and they think you're some kind of a weird because you got a Yankee shirt. Because everybody there, I mean, you know, if you're not wearing an Atlanta Braves shirt, you're some kind of, you know, they look, they look at you like you have two heads or something. So anyway, I wear my Yankee shirts, just being obnoxious, talking about how many championships have the Braves won, how many championships have the Yankees won. Anyway, um, and so I went, we went to this lake house, had on my Yankee, my favorite Yankee shirt is the Yankees New York thing with, with Mickey Mantle on the back, number seven. And uh, the guy who was hosting us says, oh, you're, you, you're from New York, right? I said, well, I'm New York here, I'm from New Jersey. He says, you're a Yankee fan? I said, yeah, I am. And uh, he said, and I guess your favorite player is Mickey Mantle. I said, my favorite player all time, Yankee and player is Mickey Mantle. Yeah, that's right. And he said, well, he's mine too. I said, really? I said, yeah. And this guy, you know, he's got, 
he has a, owns a box in the Atlanta Braves for the stadium. And I said, geez, that's got to be identity crisis for you. But um, anyway, so he said, yeah, let me show you something. He took me in his house. And he showed me this picture. And I told you some of, this, some of you this story. He showed me this picture of Mickey Mantle, the, the old you know, classic pose you know, with a bat over his shoulder. And, and it was autographed, Mickey Mantle, which was pretty impressive for me. And, and then I, it was framed nicely, and he took it off the wall. And I looked at it, and I said, wow, this is incredible. Then I turned it over. And there was this huge thing that said Certificate of Authentication. And I'm thinking, that is really cool. It was, it was to certify that it was authentic, that it was the real deal. And I had the thought, probably about, I don't know, a week or so later, I had this thought. No kidding, I had this thought. Because I was dealing with somebody who I thought was just some phony baloney. And um, I thought, you know, I just want to turn them over and see if I can find a certificate of authentication here to see if they're really being authentic with me. Don't you wish you could do that with people? You can't. Sometimes you probably wish you could do it with yourself. So let's, let's get into this thing because we, we, we've got to figure this out. And what does God say and, and how does he help us? Because that's really what it amounts to. And, and what is the balance of being authentic and me showing up and being, with, being at church and somebody saying, how are things? And me saying, great, always. That was my thing. I'm like, oh, I'm great. I'm great. And I lied many times. I lied. I don't do that anymore, by the way. Um, because, it, you know, my wife, for one, called me on it. And then finally, as, as I began to pray about it, and I don't, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but something happened inwardly. That, that is a lie. I'm not great. Now, you may not get out of me what I'm, why I'm not great, but I may say, yeah, I'm okay. I may say, yeah, you know, I'm doing okay, yeah, I'm getting by. Something as simple as that, you know, what's the balance between something as simple as lying about how I'm doing to the, the other extreme, which is how are you doing? I'm not doing so good because this happened. My wife and I had a fight last night, and oh my gosh, she's being such a jerk, and she's doing, you know, you know where, where's, where's the balance here? Because that doesn't necessarily mean I should do that either. Not that I would ever say that about my wife. If anybody's being a jerk in my house, I'll let you guess who it is. Um, don't. But um, not that we should ever do it, but, but there will need to be some people who we can trust. There, there, there is a place where that should happen where I can say, yeah, we're really having a hard time. But that's not everybody. So where's the balance here? How do we figure this thing out? So let's go to the Bible. I'll take you to Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, New Testament book, one of my favorite books. I know you hear me say that all the time. One of my favorite books uh, written to, uh, by the Apostle Paul to a town of Ephesus. This is going to sound stupid, but it's a little side note. The best ruins of any New Testament city on the face of the earth are Ephesus. If you ever get a chance, they're in Turkey, they're right along the Adriatic, and uh, they're great ruins. I mean, that sounds stupid, I know, but I mean, they're great ruins. They really are. And, uh, and I just talked to somebody recently who was there, and, and, and they said the same thing. Just, you can see the old city and how it really was in, in around 50, 55 A.D. I mean, amazing. Actually, before that, Paul was there. The apostle Paul was there in around 50, 55 A.D. So he's writing to these people at Ephesus, these people who are believers, people who've trusted Christ. And I want you to see what he's saying, because this is really good. And we're just going to follow along with me, and then we'll make a couple comments about it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this. By the way, this is the message uh, translation or paraphrase. So I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there's no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. 
They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go into sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. You say, when was this written? 2006? Could have been, couldn't it? You say, well, I thought that whole sex thing was a new thing. No, it's not a new thing. <laughs> it's an old thing. What's interesting, when you go to the, to the city of Ephesus, they have the, uh, the Temple of, of uh, Aphrodite. Temple, and in some cases, they call it Temple of Diane. It's a, it's a thing that um, was basically a, a place they called it where they had temple prostitutes. And they would worship God by having sex with different people. Um, and, and just so you don't get the wrong idea that somehow this was some sort of a sexual, exotic, really attractive type of thing, when you really do the detailed reading on this stuff, it wasn't a pretty picture. It wasn't some beautiful hottie and uh, male or female walking around, you know, looking just really sexy and cool and in and, and a seductive type. It was just, it was, it was, it was pretty gross, actually. It was pretty disgusting. It wasn't appealing at all. And you read some of the stuff about it. It's, it's not, you know, some, some, you know, Heidi Klum dancing through the water or something like that, you know? Um, probably shouldn't have said that, should I? But anyway, you catch my drift. It was just a real disgusting type of thing, and the people there were, were not very good people, and there was disease. It was because of that. I mean, you can just imagine how, how bad. So don't get some kind of a idyllic view of, oh, this must have been really great. <laughs> no, it wasn't great at all. Okay, really. I mean, even in your worst moments, this wouldn't have been great. Okay? If you catch my drift on this. And, and Paul's making, uh, uh, he's uh, alluding to that. Addicted to every sort of perversion. Every sort of perversion. Here he's speaking sexually, but it, it goes far beyond that. Now look what he says next. Next verse. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new, watch this, I love this, an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life. Watch this. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. I love that. I wish I had written that. I didn't. God inspired the Apostle Paul to write it. Read that again. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Say, what's the gospel? It's Jesus working in me. And it's a process. And those of us who are followers of Christ and have trusted Christ, we're in that process. We're in different places along that process. And we have our ups and we have our downs. And sometimes we feel like we might be the king of pain. We might be the king of isolation, the king of loneliness. But we're not. Thank God we're not. But sometimes you feel that way. But God's still working and God is still there. And we need to be open about that. We need to be vulnerable about that. We need to be authentic about that. Part of our deal, authentic faith in the real world. 
You know, that's not something that pretends, not say, oh, everything's great, praise God, everything's great. Don't always feel that way. You know? Do I believe that in my heart that God's going to work? I do believe it in my heart. Don't always feel it in my emotions. And, to, and, and, and we need to be authentic about that. It doesn't mean we deny the existence of God. It just means sometimes we can say, I don't know what's going on. I don't have a clue. And the truth is we don't. Many times. Watch this. Next, next verse. One more verse from the same passage. Ephesians 4.25. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. <laughs> Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Great lesson there in that. A lot of great lessons there in that. One of the lessons that I learned many years ago. Liars usually don't know they're liars. I don't know if you know that or not. Liars usually don't know they're liars. Some do. And some, some salesmen will tell you, oh, yeah, that's great. And they know it. But many times... Many times, people who are liars have long ago started lying to themselves. And it's real easy then just to reproduce that and say it some other way and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and those are the most convincing and, and sometimes the most heartbreaking type of people to deal with because they lie to themselves. And the Bible tells us, you know what? We don't do that anymore. We're just authentic. We're just honest. We're straightforward. And you know, you need the permission to be able to do that. Now, does that mean, again, that goes back to that thing, that doesn't mean you come to church or you get with some of your, some of your quote-unquote Christian friends or people of faith who you, can, who you know, and it doesn't mean you just dump everything out there and dump out all your dirty laundry. Hopefully, there are one or two or three or maybe a few people who you can do that with, who you can trust to do that with, and you do need that. You do need that. Not very many, but a few. But for the rest of us, there is that you don't have to come in here. Oh, everything's great. No, it's not so great. You know? And when you're with people, you, know, you can be authentic without having to always reveal everything that's going on inwardly because, again, that's a trust issue. There better be some you can trust, but, but you can't do that with everybody. You know, the, the key to this whole thing is this. I am loved and I, ex- I, I, I realize that I am loved and that I am, I am accepted without conditions by God Almighty. And therefore, I don't play games with him because it doesn't do me any good because he already knows. And if that's true with God, I don't need to do that with people because God is far more important than people. And there will be people who won't accept who I am and what I am and for what I am and, and, and the reality. And, and you know that's okay. There will be some who will. And those are the ones that will become close friends. And psychology tells us we don't really have that many over, over a lifetime. Just maybe a handful, but be thankful for that handful. And maybe you're in the process of, of developing one or, or some more of those right now. So that's authenticity. That's what it is. That's, that's how it looks. Make three quick points about this. Just three, three points. Number one. Authenticity is a gut-wrenching choice to stop covering up and to stop covering over. Just stop it. Quit pretending everything is great if it's not. Quit trying to be somebody you're not. Psychology, again, calls out the false self. Sometimes we develop, again, I'm not a psychologist, don't claim to be, don't want to be. Um, 
don't even understand myself, let alone others. But so I'm not a psychologist. But psychology tells us there's a false self that we can develop sometimes. And we feed that false self to the point sometimes where we're living that out to be somebody that we're not to the point of we live life that way where it almost becomes an addiction. And then the only way that gets broken is some kind of a trauma that comes into our life. A, 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 a divorce, a death, a breakup of a, of, of a friendship or a, a, a company falling apart. You know, and and that, those are important things for us to think about. So, so what we have to stop and think about it, am I, am, I, am I who I really am? Am I promoting some kind of a false self or is this just me? Let's just, you know, and that's a tough thing sometimes. It's a tough thing to come, excuse the term, belly up to the bar and just say, you know, this is me. I want to deal with who I am, with my stuff. We all got stuff. Just different flavors, different colors, different looks. We all got stuff. And I want to deal with my stuff. I don't want to cover it over. I don't want to say it's okay when it's not okay. I don't want to say that's the way I am. You ever heard that one? Well, that's just the way I am. Well, maybe the way I am ought to change a little bit, huh? Sometimes. You know, I've heard so many of those, you know, I've heard, I've heard everything from adultery to, to uh, alcoholism to um, lying in business being excused by, well, it's just the way I am. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to keep on doing it. That's the way you are. The way I am sometimes needs to change. You know that. So what do we do? We belly up to the bar. We ask God to help us. I don't think we can do it without God. I really don't. Because it's too painful. It's too hard. And God, the Holy Spirit, works in us and gives us that ability. That's hard enough. I've done that. Continue to do that. It's not easy. Authenticity is a gut-wrenching choice to stop covering up and covering over. Authenticity begins inwardly. Seek to make your behavior an outward view of what's going on inside. Now, that may not always look pretty, and, 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 and be careful with that. But this is, ask God, you know, that's why I always say to people, I'm not really so concerned with what you're doing, unless you're, you know, killing people or something. Um, I'm not so concerned with what you're doing as I am with what the heart is behind it. Because if we don't get the heart changed, the behavior won't change. And what's happened too many times in Christian circles, especially, that's what I'm familiar with, and it happens true in business and other places, is we try to manage misbehavior. We try to manage sin instead of saying, well, wait a minute, let's, why am I doing this? Okay, I shouldn't do this, but why am I doing this? Well, I need to step back and say, because there's a heart here that's causing me to do this, and you know, that heart needs to change. And let me help you with this. There's only one person that can change your heart, and that's God. That's why you need God. Sometimes I have, I have the blessing and I have the curse of, of sometimes, well, you experienced a little bit of it this morning, saying things just right straight from, right straight from the head, you know, just blurt it out. Um, and, and sometimes it's okay, it's, we can laugh about it, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it comes from a heart that sometimes thinks things that it shouldn't think. And, and many, there many times now, because I'm a little older and I'm gotten a little wiser, not much, but a little wiser, many times now I can, I can, I can just stop, you know. And, and the other day I was in that situation. And in the situation I started, I started to say something. 
Well, that was really a good one, too. It was a good one. Yeah, they would have just cut them to pieces, man. Left them laying bloody. I was, I, it would have been a good one. And I stopped. It's one of those times I stopped. And then later I thought about it, and I thought, wow, where did that come from? Why, was that, why would I even think that? Let alone almost say it. It's right here. And I realized, yeah, i got to back up here. That, that, that thought... First of all, the words never should have come out. Thank God they didn't then. Secondly, the thought shouldn't, shouldn't have been there either. And then I can change that. I say, God, sometimes I have a wicked heart and I need your help. And I do. We all do. Authenticity begins inwardly. Last point. Authenticity is nothing more than just self-honesty. Just being honest with yourself. Repetitious, but it's true. It's, it's just being honest. Self-awareness, whatever you want to call it. It's just being honest. Just don't lie. Don't cover over your sins. Don't try to excuse yourself. Don't try to say, it's just the way I am. Say, okay. Proverbs, Proverbs puts it, I love this proverb. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. You can't whitewash over your sin. You can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. Proverbs, that's a great proverb. Deal with them. You know, half the time, folks, more than half the time, it's not that I screw up. It's the covering up process after I screw up. And that's what God really, that was one of the things, you know, what in David in the Old Testament, one of the things that God really just really came down hard on David. I mean, here's a guy who, who slept with a woman that wasn't his wife, slept with a woman who was married to his, one of his best friends, Uriah the Hittite, one of his mighty men. Then he lied about it. Then he tried to cover it up. And then he tried to have her husband, and eventually did have her husband, put in a situation where he would die. All part of the cover-up process. What did God do when he came to him? And, and when he finally dealt with this thing, you read Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, talks about that's where David wrote his, his feelings about that. And, and, and what did God say? You know, it wasn't just the sin, but it was the cover-up. And so many times, let's just deal with it. We all screw up. That's not Okay. We don't want to. We want to try not to. But when we do, let's belly up to the bar and say, okay, let's deal with this. I did this, and it was wrong, and I'm sorry. I mean, that's, that's part of authenticity. We're afraid to do that sometimes in church because we're afraid somebody will say, well, you don't belong here. Well, let me just tell you, there's one person here who thinks you do because if we start kicking people out for that, you're going to have a hard time. The only person you get to be a pastor would be some liar, you know? Some guy's got it all together, and they're just lying like a rug. You don't want some dirt ball like that, you know? Plenty of them out there. But uh, no, I didn't say that. Um, that was just awful. I apologize. See what I mean? Gosh. Anyway, authenticity is being honest with yourself. Just be honest with yourself. And you know what? You can't do that without God. I don't think. You can't do that without God. Ancient Greek literature has this great story. It's a metaphor. It's a story. It's a, not a metaphor. It's a, it's, a, it's a parable, excuse me. And uh, I've told it before, but I like it. It's, it's about this young Spartan youth who stole a fox, which was a big deal then, put it under his big coat. And as he was running, as he was running away from the farm, he ran into the guy who owned the fox but he didn't want the guy to know that he had his fox. So he kept the fox covered up, and the fox panicked and started eating away at his, at his stomach. 
uh, to the point of where he started, he started, you know, basically tearing the life out of this kid who was stealing him. And, and they used that, the Greeks used that as a story to, to illustrate how we would rather die sometimes than deal with our shortcomings. We live in a society, I think it's a great point, we live in a society that is so determined not to be discovered that it stands unflinching as its own very life is being ripped apart by its own sins and corruption. Just be honest before God and by God's power and by God's strength. The thing that God commends, which is authenticity, you know, is the very same thing that society holds up, even society in some cases who say they don't believe in God. Yet this one God-like quality, authenticity, is all society, at least in Western society, applaud that. And that's when success really comes into a person's life. The real kind of success is when we have that kind of authenticity with each other, but first with God and ourselves. That's the gospel, and that's what Jesus, that's what God can do for us. And it is a God-like thing. Let's pray. That's the guys to come on up. Let's pray and ask God just to really work that into our hearts and into our lives. God, there are people here dealing with things that I have no clue about. Some of those things are things they've been hiding from others. Some of those things they think they've been hiding and they really haven't. But God, I pray that you would deal with each one of us individually according to our own stuff. And just that we would begin by coming clean with you and just say, God, I have some issues. I have some problems here. I need to deal with them. Please help me. Help me to identify them and help me to deal with them. God, you will do that. I pray that for each person here. I pray that we would understand that it is through a relationship with God that Jesus came and, and, and lived and, and suffered and died and rose again to give us the ability to have a relationship with you. To, have a, to give us the ability to really have some honesty with you and ourselves and then each other. We pray that, we thank you for that, and we, we uh, thank you for your grace, which we all so much need. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.